The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and youtube.com slash at Pride of Detroit. We're just going to get right into it because uh, we are still celebrating and we also know who the Lions are going to play next. So we're going to talk about both on a quick hitter POD cast. Thanks to everyone who showed up for the post game show. On Sunday night, late night, we stayed up because the Lions, for the first time in 32 years, won a playoff game. And they won it over a team that everyone said you didn't want to see in the playoffs. You won it over a former quarterback of yours. You won it over a the Wonderkin, over a team who came in the playoffs hot, 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 winning the last seven of their last eight You did it by the skin of your teeth and some great decision making. And we're going to talk about it more because this game means a lot to fans. It means a lot to us. And it means a lot to me, Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Enough about me, though. I've had my words from last night. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, who partied a little bit too hard last night over at Ford Field. Um, Still here, still going strong. Mr. Mustache, how we doing? Yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm suffering from like adrenaline withdrawal right now. Like I'm getting chills. I'm getting fever. Uh, but man, it was uh, it was something special to behold on, on Sunday night. And yeah, I couldn't I couldn't be happier that I destroyed my entire immune system over 
uh, a joyous occasion, a, a memory I'm never going to forget, a memory none of us are going to forget. And uh, and yeah, it just felt like a like. I know we've said this a bunch of times. We said it after beating the Packers last year. I know we said it after winning the division, but this does feel like the final burial of same old lines like this. This is a turning of the page moment. This is a there's no more doubting the legitimacy of this Lions team. And sure, people are going like there will be people that come out there and say that. And if they lose next week against the Bucks, maybe some people step back and and wonder. But um, to me, that the Lions are here. They're here to stay. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. That was just it was beautiful. Yeah, we talked about last night. There's no more ghosts. There's no more demons. Like you want to bring up the Super Bowl. That's fine. But like a lot of other teams haven't been to the Super Bowl yet like but that 32 years and the 30 years for the division those felt like the more significant demons to slay and it's symbolic the lions are still dancing but you're right it everything that came there the people they showed on tv weeping everything uh one man who refused to be emotional with me last night ryan matthews Black is the at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, I'm still ready to keep going. You see me. The luchador mask hasn't come off. You've you've worn that thing for over 12 hours now? All yeah. We're 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 closing in very quickly on 24 hours, yes. Oh yeah, 24 hours. Sorry. Uh time is escaping me. Um but yeah, I'm 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 happy that we uh that we got another uh Bob Seeger turn the page trademark moment for the Detroit Lions franchise uh last night but Metallica cover for Dan Campbell Garage Inc. I, I don't think that there has been a uh a more satisfying victory Monday in my Detroit Lions rooting lifetime yeah it was I mean and it's fun to to share in that celebration too like there's there's more and more videos coming out every day of like Chris said <laughs> people crying at home people crying in the stands I saw a video today of people just like absolutely bombarding Jared Goff's car after the game and just being like, you're our QB, you're our QB, you're our QB. <laughs> and, and that to me was one of the most stunning parts of, of Sunday is just the Lions fandom throwing complete support by Jared Goff in a way I've never seen with any quarterback, even Matthew Stafford. When did Matthew Stafford ever get chanted? Matthew, Matthew. I don't, I don't know if he ever did. And part of, you know, there's definitely part of we're cheering Jared Goff because we're not cheering Matthew Stafford going on. But at the same time, that was that was Jared Goff's night and he captured the moment. He he created a memory he's never going to forget. And he made a, a very big statement about his future in the team, about his future in the NFL, about his standing amongst NFL quarterbacks. I mean, you look across the league right now and how many fell on their face, how many quarterbacks fell on their face in the playoffs. Dak did again. Jalen, we just did. watched Jalen Hurts go out on his face. Yeah, the, and, and, the NFC championship game is going to have either one of Jared Goff or Baker Mayfield in it. <laughs> former two former Rams quarterbacks, two guys like I think that's, that's that's a bigger thing to talk about in the NFL that, hey, you don't need to sell the farm for the tier one anymore. Like there's plenty of guys out there that have wonderful careers like Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield who have been fighting like hell. Jared, uh, Jared Goff, a little less than Baker Mayfield in that regard. But we'll save Baker for another time. But yeah, you're right. But like, I think the story of Jared Goff. I think being that cast off Jeremy kind of fueled a lot of his story for Lions fans too. Yeah. It like as you said it it's remarkable that there was never that kind of rally around him like there was for Matthew Stafford. 
But I think it goes back to what we were talking about when we started this year on how many people were coming out to training camp, to practices, to preseason games, just the amount of mania that was poured into this year. And Jared Goff feels like besides Dan Campbell, the lightning rod, the 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 catalyst for all of that on how he runs the offense, how he is resilient and he takes a hit and he just tub thumping Ryan. He gets knocked down and he gets right back up again. Like just everything throws an ill-advised lateral. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, That's that's a little bit of goof brain. It happens. But he's got jellyfish memory. It's not going to stop him every from just getting right back up and doing what he needs. Like, uh, you're right, Jeremy. Like, there's something about golf. And even in this performance, 277 yards, averaging over 10 yards per per reception. Yeah, like. His performance in the first half is what helped the Lions win this game. And then he has the conviction on the final play to throw a pass. And And the coaching staff has the confidence in him to throw that pass to seal this game away. Yeah. And and it's been that way all this all season, right? They did the exact same thing against the the Chargers. They just have this victim complex with with LA, I guess. Um but yeah, I just to me the the fascinating thing about the the whole Jared Goff situation is you mentioned it, the resiliency. Like that guy was dead and buried after a year and a half here. I I said some nasty things on this podcast after that Patriots game and I was done with him. And that that resiliency is what won over Matthew Stafford to Detroit. He stayed here for 12 years through bad football. He played in meaningless week 17s, week 18s because he wanted to play, damn it. It was that important to him. He played through injury. He, I mean, his very first season, he has the, the shoulder separation against the Browns. That sort of resiliency won Lions fans over. And, and maybe Jared Goff hasn't had the same physical resiliency because he's got a damn good offensive line that, that that's not necessary. But the mental uh, ability to just be the same guy every day. I know that's a a football term and it doesn't seem like it means anything, but it absolutely does, especially in a week like this where it is emotional, where there there you know the crowd is chanting your name and you you hear it. That has to add pressure to most people, but Jared Goff never flinched into this game. He came out firing. How many times did Matthew Stafford press at the beginning of games when he was in Detroit? Sailed the first like five balls he had. That didn't happen today with Jared Goff. The moment was never too big for him, and it never seemed to even impact him until he finally realized after the first kneel down that the game was over. He didn't even realize after he completed the pass. After he took the first knee, he's like, oh, we can run out the rest of the clock. He throws his fist up, and, and the rest is history. So just a, a magical moment for for Jared Goff, and, and I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm proud of him. He's my quarterback now, man. Like I, I I've been the longest hardest Matthew Stafford stand, but this was, this was it for me. I'm, I'm full on Jared Goff now. Ryan, this game, like, I, I, I feel like we need, I want to try to get out of the emotion this game. It's almost impossible though, but because it feels like a storyline that's just set up to be too real for what was set out to be accomplished for this year. Not, not just with Jared Goff, but like the, the Lions won this game in almost every every part of their team had to come out and show up in some way. The offense rocked and rolled for the first half. They got quiet in the second. Michael Badgley is your only, uh, I believe, the only Points, score yep. you had. 54 yards from Money Badger after a whole adventure this year of Lions kicking. He, he's the winning points. 
but then the defense had to be the one to slow down or at least halt the damage that was being done against by the Los Angeles Rams, by Matthew Stafford. And again, so much of the story was on Matthew Stafford. And again, we we, we probably missed the Jared Goff story a, a little bit. Like people undersold the Jared Goff versus Sean McZay story a little bit. But the defense is the one who has to hold up their end of the bargain. They keep the Rams out of the end zone for the entire Second half for an offense, I mean, for a defense that even in this game, you're getting gashed up by Pukunakua, who is unbelievable in any other year without CJ Stroud. He is hands down the offensive rookie of the year, like and they still do get gashed up quite a bit in the second half, but they're settling down They're They're playing Ben don't break. They they Dan Campbell takes the gamble on third on on third and four with the holding penalty. He he wants them four. He wants them third and fourteen rather than thir- fourth and four because he knows the defense can hold, and he trusts the defense in that moment, and they got it done. Like this is, and then he gets to play four minute drill and just sit on the ball. Like this was every phase of the Lions, in some aspect, won this game. Yeah, I think that's another part of the game that. Uh, definitely deserves to be talked about is Dan Campbell completely coaching circles around Sean McVay from start to finish. Like in terms of you want to talk about Dan Campbell sticking to who he is and, and being the aggressive coach, it's it's fourth down going for it on the opponent's doorstep and Jared Goff delivering a strike to who else other than Sam Laporta with an offensive lineman knee brace on, right? Um, it. It was that play. It was, you know, again, back to what you just said, Chris, Dave Campbell calling Sean McVay's bluff, so to speak, right? Like, hey, good sticky and fourth and four here. That leaves you with a couple of opportunities. Maybe you'll go for it and you can control a little bit more clock and then kick a field goal or you could just kick the field goal there. Not not such a long field goal at that point, Jeremy, right? Like 54, like right around Money Badger, uh, the distance that he was going to be kicking it from. But the Lions push him back. And they get a stop and they they force Sean McVay to absolutely turtle and and go into, you know, surrender mode and, and punt and hope that they're going to get the ball back. And then on top of that, Sean McVay not burning a timeout before the two minute two minute warning. I mean, maybe that changes the the complexity of how the, the final plays play out. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that at each and every turn, Dan Campbell was out coaching and. and you know, out out cunning the guy, the, the wonderkin. Right. And, yeah. and and that's something that we heard all week long. Well, the, the Rams have Super Bowl experience and they've won a Super Bowl and Sean McVay. And OK, you know, those are past accomplishments. That's not yeah. what's happening in, in, in week one of, of of Super Wildcard weekend in, in the NFL. And that felt again, Jeremy, I think that this was something that maybe you had pointed out on on Twitter, but yeah, the Lions, they might lose Ben Johnson. They they may they may very well lose Aaron Glenn to coaching opportunities. And and we've seen how maybe that could have impacted a an NFC champion Eagles team. Um I don't foresee anything like that ever happening under Dan Campbell's watch because the guy is just different, built yeah. different. 
Well, it's interesting, too, because I think you can make comparisons. The Lions changed offensive coordinators midseason like the Eagles changed defensive coordinators, and it worked out because they have a stable system because they have no they don't have egos in their locker room. They don't have egos in their coaching staff. They, you know, they also had less to lose, right? The, the Eagles made that change when they were, what, 10 and 2, 10 and 3, whatever. The Lions were, oh, and six, oh, and ten, whatever it was. Um, but I think it's it speaks to Dan Campbell as a leader that he can make a very dangerous, very sensitive move in the middle of the season, and it and it worked out way for the better. Um, but I want to I want to go back in this game because to me there was a moment in which everything could have collapsed. Everything like the narrative was right there. For Matthew Stafford comes into Detroit, and guess what he does? The thing he did a million times in Detroit. Fourth quarter comeback. The Lions. With eight minutes to go, they get that drive. Jared Goff misses a third down pass. Jeez, this is it. This is why this is why Jared Goff isn't the quarterback of the future. It's over. It's over. You punt to the to the I almost said the Eagles. You punt to the Rams. They start driving like that. That drives I think starts inside their ten yard line. They get to midfield yeah, very quickly, them. and and you're suddenly it's like, oh my god, this is this is the the exact nightmare. This is how it played out. A million times in my worst case scenario, I started I did I did my my very classic patented jinx of of changing the headline title. Matthew Stafford, another fourth quarter comeback victory against Lions, something, <laughs> you know, something like that was that was literally in the headline with about four minutes left. And then the reason why it didn't continue in that trajectory is because the Lions have playmakers now. On defense, they have Aiden Hutchinson, who pressured at least three times on that drive, who drew a holding penalty. The Lions didn't have that two years ago. They didn't have it in in 2016. You know, they they didn't have these star players on defense. And is there a lot to fix on defense? Of course, there's the secondary is kind of a mess, but there there are stars elsewhere, right? There there's there's Brian Branch, there's Ali McNeil, there's pieces Jack Campbell, even you know. I, I think you, you can feel good about Ifatu Melifanu. There are building pieces there that are starting to make big plays in key moments on defense, which is something we haven't seen in, in almost a full decade till that 2014 team, till, till Sue was around. And so to me that, you know, we, we give a ton of praise for the offense. We give a ton of praise for Jared Goff. But really the reason why the Lions got out of this midseason funk was the playmaking on defense. And they did it again on Sunday. And they had some real great leaders too, not just the young guys too, not just, you know, like Jack Campbell's going to be a star for time, for time to come for Detroit. But Alex Anzalone, I thought still the heart, the heart and beating heart and soul of this defense, still two tackles for loss in this game, still in there on every play. CJ Gardner Johnson, the return for him does not need to be stated enough. Like, and you know, He's not out there making a turnover out there, but he's absolutely playing out of his mind for all of this. And Cam Sutton, who is hot and cold, being able to make that play, that breakup to be the one to get the 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 Rams off, yeah. off the field. It's very poetic. And you want to talk about since we're talking about more cred, more cred to this entire organization. Those are all moves by Brad Holmes and free agency. Those are that man who was screaming his lungs off going down the elevator more pumped than anyone else. It feels like this. It, it, it really was top to bottom to bring this moment to Detroit, a team effort. And again, we have to emphasize they're not done. There's another game that's going to be played on Sunday, but I, I and we're going to talk about it. But it feels like this moment here deserves this. It, it is special. It is special. It's just one playoff win. But damn it, as you said, 
like you can't bring up dredge up the demons of the past anymore. And that means so much. And not only that, I have now heard so many guys. I, I want to shout out to, to, to someone who I've worked with, LeVar Arrington, who's, who's, who's pointed this out. Like this model Dan Campbell's built in Detroit is beyond intriguing. And there's going to be other former players who want to be coaches and there's going to be other people and there's going to be players who see what the lions have built and they respect if they don't want to join it, then they want to at the very least respect the hell out of it. It's respect. It's, it's worthiness. It's honor. It's all of these things. It's a project and a promise delivered and continuing to be delivered. Doesn't seem like it's, being interpreted that way in some other fan bases. That's for sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know what crawled up the, the, you know what? We'll leave the Vikings out of this. It's fine. Vikings guys, Rams guys, fans enjoy I, the off season. Yeah. I don't just win baby. The, the other thing, like, yeah, I, I think Lions fans and, and they are need to like sit with this moment for as long as possible. Like I know this is the NFL. The, the team has to turn the page now. They know their opponent. They got to like get back to work. You don't adhere to those rules. You can party until Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon at 2.59 p.m. And, and I think you should because here's the thing. Usually when the Lions hit some sort of accomplishment and Lions fans go crazy, they're mocked. They're ridiculed. Act like you've been here before. Oh, you yeah, want a playoff got, game. I, big freaking deal. I'm not hearing that right now. Yeah. I'm hearing Peter King saying this was a top five game I've ever covered in 40 years. I'm, I'm seeing Benjamin Solak saying that is one of the best crowd environments I've ever seen. Own that. Like. Take a second and, and be proud of what we accomplished in that game. We forced timeouts that turned out to be critical in that game. We were the ones that as Dan Miller said, like. We've waited for this. We've waited for this for years and years. And the majority of Lions fans, at least our following, have never experienced this before in their adult lives, ever. And that is something that's special. That's something you need to hold on to. Um, I, I've seen so many heartwarming stuff. Like, of course, I, you know, I, I went through a lot of things that a lot of Lions fans said, like, their first thought is, I wish I could have shared this with someone that isn't here anymore. And I, I, I wish I could make that pain go away. But at the same time, it's, it's also a joy that you got to share important fandom to you with someone else. And hopefully we can provide a little bit of a haven for that too, because we're all together. You've been listening to us week by week. Hopefully, hopefully you enjoy our voices and hopefully you've been enjoying the ride from, from start to finish. I know I have, I know I don't know what I would do without you guys in this moment, because it makes it so much more fun when we can go here on Twitch after the game and just party our asses off. We don't get that opportunity very often. So stun, stun all freaking week long. And if Rams fan want to play sour grapes and talk about dirty hits and officiating, let them. You don't need to respond to them. They don't matter to you anymore. Scoreboard. That's that's all it is. The, yes, there was a there was a call that was missed, and I'm sure it's a big story, but I'm not thinking of that. I'm thinking of NBC constantly cutting to the 89 year old Lions fan who's had season tickets for 66 years. It's a great moment. That, that that he got to see this. He got to see this. It's emotional fluff, but damn it, it it means something. This is one of the last great demons I feel like in sports to be slain. The, one of the last great drought demons that was out there. 
There's probably more. I'll probably get reminded of them at some sure. point. But the, the, the Super Bowl this, appearance, right? That's the right. next demon on the list. And listen, that's but that's there's a tough other one. teams. The Vikings haven't, haven't gotten haven't. there. Browns haven't gotten there, right? Like there's there's been other teams you can at least say that for. This feels on the same level of like the Cubs, right? To at least knock this one off. And yes, it's symbolic. There's another game, but I think we're we are due some symbolism, some romanticism, and everything that we and I am. So glad we get to do this. I'm so glad I get to do this with you guys. And I I speak again the words I had last night on the on the post game show that people really focus on the failures you have and don't accept people don't accept how many failures you've gone through until you finally turn a corner. And I feel like now it can be put into full into the lines can be put into a full picture. And it's all because we have Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, who was on who was catching balls on a jugs machine at midnight in Los Angeles after day two of the draft came and went. David Montgomery signed over from the from the Chicago Bears. Big time Monty runs in this game. Big time Monty runs. He had the biggest play before Amon Ra one upped him on the same drive. Yeah. CJ Gardner Johnson betting on himself. Everyone else the Lions have drafted. Brad Holmes. Brad freaking Holmes, man. Aaron Glenn. Ben Johnson. The name, Those names, you'll keep going down and down those names, and I guarantee you there's going to be at least one and maybe more that's going to show up in the Lions' ring of honor before it's all said and done. And I mean, also, like, if you need any other idea just how big of a moment in this franchise was, look at everybody who came out, man. The Lions brought the whole damn franchise from the past 20 years to the game. And, and some seeing, guys I wasn't expecting. Carry on. Johnson was in the crowd. <laughs> he was in the crowd. He didn't. For whatever reason, he didn't get sideline passes. Shout out. <laughs> carry on. They got to they got to treat you better. Um, but like, how cool was it to see Calvin Johnson, who no less than a year ago, man, hated this friend, like had real beef with over a million dollars. Yeah, he's going nuts on the sideline. He still loves this franchise. And, and again, it speaks to. How how many old wounds this regime has covered up, has soothed, has placed aloe over. This is this is a cleansing of the franchise, and now everyone wants to be a part of it. That's fucking cool. Final word, Ryan, the atmosphere. And again, the fans, too. We have to state this again, Ryan. The fans cost the the Los Angeles Rams two second half timeouts. Massive, huge. I mean, what what happened with the second half? I think I think there's just part of me that the game felt so um to, to to take it back to the first half though, okay? The first three drives are 75 yard drive touchdowns. It 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 felt very much in the beginning like, oh, remember how like my brain was almost programmed all last week? to just believe that the Rams had an elite offense and, and everybody was underselling the lions and they came out and punched the Rams in the mouth like three times in a row. And, and, and the way that it was capped off with, you know, the, the Laporta touchdown, it, it felt like that game shouldn't have been as close as it was with how yeah. just effective the offense was. I was like, if the offense is going to play like this all night, good luck, Los Angeles, because 
I mean, the the tip pass that Cam Sutton almost got his hands under on, on yep. the goal line. The Brian Branch blitz on that play, like he disguised that so well. And 100%. just, uh, you know, get, getting hands on it. And there was something about this game that like, it felt like it was going to be the, it was just going to end up in the Lions favor. And that second half, the defense won the football game, guys. Yeah. Like, Red zone matters. There, there's no, there's, that's it, right? Like, the, I think that that was the the thing that was like funny to me was that I'm watching this Lions defense that's just hemorrhaging points or he- hemorrhaging yards to Puka Nakua, who, by the way, like the whole meme is like uh, the, the Shaq meme, right? Like, oh, I w- wasn't familiar with your game. <laughs> wasn't familiar. Like that Puka Nakua is one yeah. tough yeah. SOB, dude. Yeah. Like that guy's that guy's legit and didn't matter. Didn't matter because when it came to crunch time, right? And that's something we all loved Matthew Stafford for so many years was like, oh, Stafford comebacks and the fourth quarter and making plays in big moments. In those moments, the Rams were 0 for 3. They settled yeah. for field goals all the time. And I just love, there's something so poetic about this Lions team just not settling. And, 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 and taking advantage of shutting down the Rams in the red zone and money badger improbably kicking a 54 yard field goal that everybody and their mother in the stadium thought, Oh no, like this is another one of those moments, Jeremy, where you're like with, you know, the the eight minute left left moment where, you know, Jared Goff sails that pass when, when money badger is lining up that field goal and Mike Trico is circling the hell out of the fact that money badger can't kick 50, or whatever. yeah 50 yeah. yard field goals it's like oh this is this is one of those moments and it felt like each time there were one of those moments the fourth down go for it on the goal line the you know the money badger the the lions getting the ball back and getting that first down like they did with jared goff and josh reynolds in in the saints game you know what i mean just yep. making that one last play when they had to there were all these moments that felt like they could have been another edition in the SOL book. We don't ever have to come use to that word again. We don't ever have to use that again. And I feel great for one person more like it probably. And Jeremy, you can sign off on this. I know we got to get to break, but he came in six on offensive grades and pro football and pro football focus. And he was crying at the end of the game and he would already been honored along with all the old timers in uh, uh earlier when the lions clinched the division but taylor decker man i know this fan base has had some up and downs with him there's a lot of people have speculated about what to do with his future but that man's a lion through and through like that that like that man being the heart of that him and frank and that entire offensive line that's where it starts and where it's it's where it all start and i i feel like because of decker ever since that moment like i've had a lot more appreciation for offensive linemen, just seeing how hard they work, how hard they fight out there. And Decker, Decker was emotional afterwards. You could tell how much this team means to him. Decker is a pro through and through. He's, he's, you know, jumping up the power rankings of favorite players because he had a really good quote after the game. And I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it here. So apologies to Taylor Decker, but he was asked like, what is this? What do you think this means for fans? And he's like, well, I can't pretend to know what it's like to be a fan of, for 30 years, for 40 years, for 50 years, but I've been around here for eight or whatever, nine, whatever it is. And I like to think that I can at least have a little share a little bit in that celebration, in that 
pain that that and suffering that I've gone to, even if it is a fraction of what most fans have gone through. And he's right. And and in, in a lot of ways, I have to imagine it's a lot worse for him. He's putting in the work 365 days a, a year. We're sitting here behind a TV like that to, to put in all that work and get nothing out of it for a year after year after year and seeing other players say, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go to the Rams. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to retire. I can't do this anymore. Get me out of Detroit. He stayed. He stayed and said, you know what? I want to see this through. And that is rare in the NFL. Extremely rare in the NFL, especially with a talented player like him. A left tackle in this league just stays loyal to a team. Yes, you can pay him a crazy amount to stay, but that doesn't always work, especially if you got a... a, I mean, when's the last time we've legitimately worried about Taylor Decker? It's been a long time. So yeah, he deserves everything that's coming to him this year. It's just that high character that was instilled in him at his university that he went to. Pride of Detroit podcast is bought is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. And it's the jerky that fuels the Detroit Lions just for you, Ryan. I'm not going to try to toss to you. I'm not going to try to butcher this. I am going. People think I am out of the reservation with these things. I'm telling you, I'm selling meat over here. This is the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. You know they're celebrating with it after this game. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams. If it's good enough for the Lions, your playoff winning, your playoff game-winning Detroit Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is best based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, revolutionary branding, unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering, be it the Soul Survivor. We've talked about that flavor a ton. Man, they're they're uh, Biltong flavors, too. You want some garlic? You want some oh, ancho chili? Very good stuff. Go to RighteousFelon.com, promo code POD15 at checkout. Pride to Detroit, POD, POD15, RighteousFelon.com. Get yourself a nice box of meat to celebrate this playoff win. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we're on to Tampa. The Lions through a stroke will host a second playoff game here in Detroit and it's going to be a classic NFC Central showdown so we're going to talk about how that came to be and talk a little bit about Tampa and what we expect next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we're going to put finally now for a little bit because we want to go back to celebrating it later off stream. But it's time to talk about what comes next because and you do not under any circumstances got to hand it to them in spite of what I have seen and heard. But the Packers whooped the hell out of the Dallas Cowboys. And that means, by a stroke of luck, and we talked about it, I think, last podcast, Jeremy, means that the Detroit Lions will now host a second layoff game in Detroit, which has become unequivocally a a home field advantage. Like, I don't think I need to point anywhere else besides the sound. Like, you, you won't play a better quarterback and a better and like than Matthew Stafford in the NFC. And everyone on that Rams team was rattled by that sound. And now coming in is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who thrashed the Eagles at home. But it is an Eagles team that looked, Jeremy, I, I've never seen a team as broken as the Eagles looked going into that game. So no Matt Patricia revenge game. What yeah. we do get is a classic NFC Central playoff game. And a re and a meeting again with the Buccaneers. The Lions met in week was it week six? I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. It was week six because yeah, because the Bucks were three and one coming off a bye week. Lions went to Tampa, beat them twenty to six. Now this is a Tampa team that went through some doldrums after they lost the Lions. Got a little bit of mojo back. Got healthy again. Hard to get a read on this team right now. Lions, however, in most places have opened uh, as a six, six and a half point favorite. Yeah. So you watch that game tonight, Jeremy. You look at the Buccaneers and how are we feeling? What are we thinking? Well, well, I think I think you look at I don't think this team has changed all that much all season. Like, yeah, they went through ups and downs in terms of overall record, but like their strength are their strengths. They can they can stop the run. They stopped the run last time against Lions. Lions had their worst rushing game of the season against the Bucks and there, you know, there were other factors Context, at play. Context, yes. Yeah, they like they were missing. Craig Reynolds getting the most carries. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um Jameer Gibbs out of that game. Uh Dave Montgomery gets injured in the second quarter. I think Jonah Jackson was out in that game as well. Um I don't believe Jameson Williams line. was back for that game either. He was. He scored he was. a big oh, touchdown. Oh, he was. He was. That's that's right. I'm yep. okay. Ignore um, me. <laughs> but but like that is a team that is a they, they have a good defensive front seven. They have Vita Vea. They have Kalija Kanti who's starting to come on. They have Levante David. Um the secondary is is very vulnerable and the Lions took it to them. They they basically did something they they really have never done this entire season and they abandoned the run. They threw the ball 44 times to just 22 rushes and golf lit him up 353 yards, two touchdowns, 107.5 passer rating. And so that might be the play again because the Lions honestly haven't been great at running the ball as of late. They are much healthier and and there is a, a path to being able to run the ball against this Buccaneers defense, but I think they match up better 
passing the ball. And so we've seen, we. I mean, this team is capable of doing both. We know that they're capable of doing both. Jared Goff, I mean, we just talked about in, in the the end of the last game. Did they put the hand the, the, the game in the hands of the running game? Nope. They said, Jared Goff, go out there and get us eight yards. Go get us nine yards. Same thing they did in week 18 against the Packers. DJ Shark, go get us a game-winning play. They're capable of doing that to a, a Buccaneers team that, yes, they have Antoine Winfield, who who did get snubbed of, of a Pro Bowl, very talented player, but I think that's the benefit um, that, that factors in most in the Lions' favor. Um, the, de- the the Lions' defense going against the Bucks' offense is one that I don't have a good grasp on yet, though, because Baker Mayfield is a wild card. Yeah, ba- uh, one of my favorite Baker stats is that um, he's pretty much one to one when it comes to big time throws and turnover worthy plays, according to Pro Football Focus. Right. Wow. So it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like for 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 every for every great throw he makes, uh, there there's something lurking around the corner. Um, I I think what what's again, and we talked about this in the, the first bite lead up into last game. Um, I mean, getting Jameer Gibbs going in the passing game, I think is yeah. is huge. And, you know, that's where he was most effective uh, on Sunday against the Rams. Um, I mean, he had a big game, you know, caught everything that was thrown his way. It was like four catches for like 40 some odd yards. But um, yeah, that and the the maybe the most interesting guy who just you want to talk about revenge games, right? It was Josh Reynolds. Like the 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 amount of times that it seemed like Jared Goff was just locked in on Josh Reynolds and was like, "This ball's going to you. This ball's going to you." I mean, the throw early in the game, like the, I mean, there's four Rams defenders that are like all there, and I mean, for every, don't get it twisted. I mean, Matthew Stafford made some pretty darn good throws, but like Jared Goff put that ball right in there, and I I think going against this Bucks defense, I think that's going to be, um, like, like you said, Jeremy. I mean. Goff threw all over him before. Now, contextually speaking, maybe, you know, the Lions don't want to, you know, run the ball that little. Um, yeah. I I feel like they're. I feel like maybe the more this postseason wears on, the more I feel like I, I want them to go to David Montgomery. I want more David Montgomery runs. I want them to just push people forward. And 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 I, I guess that's you know me thinking about the second half i guess kind of spilling over but i I felt like i wanted more dedicated running and setting up more third manageables and that that's going to be key against the bucks i think long sustained drives are going to be really key against a bucks team that you know what i mean maybe baker baker mayfield has another 300 yard three touchdown performance left in him especially against the secondary uh you know time of possession is going to be pretty important yeah, I think I think two things when looking at the Lions offense in the second half from the Rams game that you take into this game. Like I, I, I'm not going to abandon Jameer Gibbs completely. They tried to play him a lot more going to the outside in the uh, in the second half. And, you know, clearly the Rams were ready to just blow that up. And, you know, Bucks are Bucks are pretty stout up front, too. I'd be curious to see how that works. Um, I don't want to see the play action boot again, though. Oh, like that was that that felt like the one page out of Ben Johnson's playbook you could throw out. But yeah, like it it feels a little bit, Jeremy, like it's just playing the right, at least for the Lions offense, taking on the defense. It feels like taking on the Rams all over again. Maybe not someone as terrifying as that duo of defensive tackles up front, but like Close. same same. It, once again, it's going to be a battle in the trenches. 
I mean, if if you can come up with two players that are as close to Aaron Donald and, and that rookie on the Rams, Kalijah Kansi and Vita Vey are That's a, a pretty good smear of those two players. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be I, I think we could be in for another really good quarterback match because the the, the Bucks also can't run the ball. Three point mm-hmm. four yards per carry for the season. Twenty eighth in DVOA lines are going to shut that down. They are going to make Baker Mayfield beat him. And, you know, we, we can look at the final score of that Buccaneers game and said, oh, lines handled them. But I'm, I'm sure you guys remember what happened early in that game, right? You remember the deflected pass? I think it was maybe a lean. I don't know. Or Bugs. I think it was Bugs. Um, defect, deflects a pass that would have been a touchdown pass. Baker Mayfield misses another deep shot that probably would have been a touchdown pass. They have talented receivers, and it's really not just Chris Evan and... and, and no, I was just going to say, it feels a lot more diverse than than um, Stafford dealing into Puka Nakua and, and Tutu Atwell. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, they spread the ball out a little bit better. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both over went, went over 1,000 yards. Kate Otten, if you watch the game tonight, what do you have, eight, nine passes, eight, nine catches in this game? And then I really like Trey Palmer. He had a big game uh, in, in this in this wild card round. So there's a lot of weapons there. And I don't know if the Bucks are just going to abandon the run altogether. They kind of did that in this game tonight. Like they were up two, three scores and they were still just throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. And the Eagles had no answer. And that should be at least a little bit scary. Like this isn't going to be a walk in the park because I do think for for all that, the Lions defense did in the second half of that game for all that they did in the red zone against the Rams. They are walking a dangerous line right now. They're walking an extremely dangerous line where they're consistently giving up 350 passing yards, 100 plus passer ratings and still winning that 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 is not a formula to win football games. It just isn't. Um, and so they're, they're going to need more disruption plays. They, they got a couple against the, the Rams and, and, and helped, but they're going to need at some point, the luck on those sacks, those luck on the interceptions, those luck on the fumbles, they're going to run out. And I mean, the Rams very came very close to doing it, right? They came very close to doing what Dallas kind of did. Um, but but Minnesota failed to do both times, which is turn those big plays, turn those yard, turn like all these drives that were getting themselves out of bad field position, getting them into scoring position and turning those into points. And I guess I guess the credit that the Lions do deserve is it feels like the only points they are giving up defensively are off big plays. And mm-hmm. if they could somehow turn that faucet off and I don't know how they do it. Their corners are bad. They're doing it every single freaking week. But you're getting into favorable downs because you have a really good run game. You're getting a, an occasional pass breakup from Brian Branch. You're getting an occasional sack or pressure from Aiden Hutchinson. And then you give up a huge play. And that's 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 going to be the key for the lines the rest of the way. Stop the big plays through the air. And the Bucks are, are a team that's capable of hitting on big plays. So it's going to be a tough matchup this week. And at the same time, though, Ryan, I also feel like. Compared to who you've been playing, like Baker Mayfield's better than than the, the Vikings quarterback, whose name I have completely Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall, or I don't even remember if we saw Jaron Hall, to be honest, we didn't. OK, great. He's better than Nick Mullins. But at the same time, like those are good receivers, but it feels like a little bit of a step down on the receiver talent from CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson and Puka Nakua. Um, on the flip side too, what Jeremy's talking about. There's definitely a question of what do you do with the safeties? Because it feels like the safeties need to help to, as Jeremy said, to turn the faucet off on these big plays. At the same time, you like you are reliant on the safeties to help you on the blitzes. 
And it feels like Baker Mayfield's at least a core and this this Bucks O-line is a team you can probably blitz a little bit easier than Matthew Stafford. We talked about it on the on the last podcast, Jeremy, like Matthew Stafford is the kind of guy who's going to recognize a blitz coming for him right away. So and I think you said, Ryan, that they had to figure out how to rush four or five. I think that's you, you're open up a little bit more to some interesting decisions here against Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I. You know, in the in the first game that they played, you know, the Lions were only credited with uh, with 18 pressures. Um, be interested to kind of dig a little bit more into seeing how much they blitzed Baker. But um, I, there there's something about the uh, I feel like the drop down, so to speak, in terms of talent from Puka and Cooper Cup, who Cooper Cup, for the most part, was pretty much shut down. Um, it was really the Puka Nakua show, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 perceived yeah the perceived drop down though from those guys to to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin which I don't think is as steep as one as it may be it doesn't it's negligible like it, it just feels like the the back end for whatever reason um, if there was an answer I feel like that they would try to answer this problem because it's the biggest problem right it's yeah. it's the it's the elephant that's in the room that everybody's looking at and talking about. Um, but nobody's nobody's doing anything about it. And, you know, the the snap counts for um, <clears throat> for the safeties on Sunday against the Rams. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it, it, even split again, even split. And. If he, if he's getting all the looks that we felt like that was where things were trending. Yeah. Um, and I got to be honest. Uh Kirby, uh, just kind of another rough game, um, yeah. you know, in, in in run defense, especially. But that's kind of been, a you know, that's that's been something that's been his MO since college. Right. You have a guy who's a converted wide receiver yeah. playing safety. I mean, that guy's that guy's your deep safety. Like, that's just what he does. I mean, right. there was a play early on in the game where he it, I'm like, oh, a defensive back shooting up the field into a block. Yeah, like it, yeah. It, I know like, exactly which one you're talking about. Right. And bubble yeah, screen. it was the bubble screen. Yeah. And. There's there's just something about like, again, I think that the way that Tampa Tampa is going to try to attack the Lions defense, they're going to try to throw through the air. I, I mean, it might be a literal abandoned because the Rams didn't abandon the run. Right. And I think Kyron Williams getting hurt. Um, yeah, that that definitely sucked for the Rams because they just didn't have a, a an answer outside of him. He had a pretty solid night um, in terms of his, his, his rushing average. But the Bucks just don't have that. Like the yeah. Bucks just don't have that up front. They don't have a guy back there who has juice in, in Rashad White. So, like Jeremy was saying, if if the Lions can shut down the run game to the point where they don't even have to take it as a credible or reliable threat, I, I feel like there might be a little bit more confidence instilled in me in that the back end can compensate for that, right? Like yeah. they can they can make adjustments to put themselves in a position to get a tipped interception or, you know, force Baker into making a a silly mistake. And then if that happens, Jeremy, if the Lions defense forces a turnover, that'll be the thing I think I know this week. The Lions are winning the game. Yeah. I mean, it's when you can stop a run game without committing more defenders to the box, you can you can put. I mean, they did it last week against the, the Rams because they're an 11 personnel. Like, I believe Brian Branch played all but one snap. 
I would expect something like that again because you don't have to commit three linebackers to this Bucks team. They're not going to run the ball well. You can stop them with two. You can stop them with your defensive front. The interior of that offensive line is not very good. They they highlighted that during the game this week. And so, um, yeah, I think I think you're right. Like I think the Lions are going to be playing with five, six DBs for most of this game, and they're they're going to hope someone makes a play at some point. And I think the safeties are capable of making plays. I think Brian Branch is capable of making plays, but it's on the perimeter that that the Lions are just going to have a lot of problems with, and. I don't know if they're going to fix them. I, at this point, there's no real reason to believe they will. I, I think welcome, the other thing, welcome to the divisional round where Kendall <laughs> Vildor is your CB2. Yeah. The one thing that's in the Lions favor, and you saw it in the second half, Ryan, like maybe like the, the big the big issue for the Lions is just that the deep plays. But when they start, when they get pushed, at least Jeremy into the red zone, mm-hmm. they because they don't have as much room that they have to worry about, like they do, ta- they do tape down. And I feel like that's that's been a trend along with the second half adjustments that at least the Lions like as long as that continues in this game, as long as you limit the damage in the first half, you know, it's it's what we've been seeing this entire end of the season. You want the ball first. You want to control the tempo of the game. You want to control the pace of the game. Let your offense dictate the first strike and go from there. It's it's interesting because I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm pretty sure on this. The defense was kind of the exact opposite as it currently is earlier in the season. They weren't giving up big plays. And, and in fact, that was something Eric Glenn was super proud of. They struggled in the red zone now. And I, I think at some point, like halfway through the season, they're like, no team has ever scored a touchdown outside of the red zone on us. I'm I'm like... 70 to 80 percent true sure that's that was true and now it's completely flipped now their their red zone defense is very good but they gave up two touchdowns of what 30 plus yards against the rams last week they had a 90 whatever yarder against the, the cowboys it feels like the vikings probably had a, a couple that that i mean they gave up 11 20 plus yard pass plays against the vikings in the first and i think nine in the second so um yeah that that faucet's got to get turned off somehow and that's but i think this is just going to be kind of the the game plan every every week from here on out. Try to figure out a way to limit those big plays and get a couple on defense. That you're not going to stop the bleeding completely. You're not going to suddenly turn Kendall Vildor or Cameron Sutton into a Pro Bowler. You just hope on a third and eight, on a third and five, and a third and four, and a third and eighteen for Christ's sake, they do something. They get off the field um, once or twice, maybe even three times, and that that should be enough against. I think again, a Bucks defense that is not very good against the pass and decent against the run. Like we have the blueprint. I and, and the one other thing too, though, that I think is just again, players stylistically different. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, like those guys are not yak players mm-hmm. by any means. Like Puka Nakua is in a class of, of his, I mean, six point I mean, nobody could tackle yards him. after a catch per reception, six point four. And you're talking about Mike Evans, who four point two, Chris Godwin, four point six. Like these are different players, right? So I think. The thing that kind of showed through as a little bit of a weakness in, in the Rams game was tackling, right? Like yeah. tackling after, uh, you know, after the catch and everything. I I don't foresee that being so much of an issue with a couple of guys who aren't really known as yak receivers and just Trey and, Palmer. Yeah, that, it, that guy scares me a little bit. Yeah, well, Lions are definitely winning this football game. So um, sim to next week. Damn, already calling his shot. Wow. Wow. In the villain phase, huh, Ryan? No, it's just in my honest face. 
honest the, villainy. That I, the Lions are so much better. Well, we'll have a first bite this week to break it down. Are we just going to probably invite back our Bucks correspondent from earlier in the we'll season, Jeremy? We, we got to see. Spot? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, okay. We're, st- we're still celebrating. We and might I'm get a going- reef. <laughs> really got to do them like this here, huh? It's been He's a week. still hurt that we didn't have him for week 18, so. Mm, okay. Well. We're going to let everyone else get back to celebrating because this is a momentous occasion. As as Dan Campbell said, they'll be back here 3 p.m. on Monday preparing for whoever comes into town. But you as the fans, you got time. You got time. And if you have tickets to this game, you'll show up and cheer your asses off and make that place wildly uncomfortable for anyone to come into. And that's what's going to make this this special winner like this entire playoffs is just going to feel special until whatever bitter end awaits win or lose this has been the pride of detroit pod cast celebrate this one detroit jeremy reisman ryan matthews i'm chris perfett see you star side Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.